Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Um, I'm here with Catherine Scanlon. Um, we're discussing um, her new book, uh, uh, The Dominant Animal, uh, which came out on April 7th. Pretty new um, book of stories. Um, and maybe I can just start by asking you, um, what holds these stories together for you? What, what made you decide to put them together here? Um, well, the stories that are in the book I've been writing since... Uh, like 2008 was when I wrote the first story that is in the book. And I wrote other stories between that time and now that, that didn't make it into the book. But um, I would say most of the, you know, the majority of the things that I've written over that time have, are collected here. Um, Uh And. Well, and you have, go go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I mean, one thing I was going to say is I, I think that one thing that holds them together is, is style, um, that there's always a real concern and interest in, in language and in how humans use language to kind of communicate with other humans or to fail to communicate with other humans mm-hmm. and with the world at large. Yeah, I, I think that I also feel that way. Um, and I think it was also just sort of surprising to see, you know, especially since I had been writing this book for so long, um, how sort of like cohesive it ended up being, um, you know, also like maybe slightly unsettling just to see the, the reoccurrence of, you know, one's preoccupations, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it does feel to me, um, like there is a cohesiveness to the collection, which is a nice, nice thing. Um, the, the other thing you do, I think is really interesting about this collection is that you kind of, you group um, stories. So there's like eight sets of five stories each. And, and I wanted to just ask about that. Are those units meant to group similar stories or talk to one another, or are they kind of mini um, books or chapters or how did, how did you think about that when you were putting it together? Yeah, that happened, um, you know, late, in the game when I was just trying to figure out what order to put the stories in and I was having a really hard time with it and I thought about just doing it sort of um, by chance you know just kind of throwing the title into a hat or something and (laughs) shaking them out and because I really was having a hard time I mean there's there's 40 of them and um, I was just having a, a hard time it just seemed so arbitrary in a way to try to figure out how to put them into any kind of order and then I started to you know think about different ways to order them but I didn't really like any of those ideas and um so I sent them to my editor and she 
she sent them back to me in these groups that she had made that she wouldn't even really tell me like what the, what her like working titles were for the separate groups, but um, they were kind of based on similarities that she was seeing between some of the stories, but, um, but she didn't really mean for them to be, you know, broken up that way. She just was using that as sort of like a, an organizational tool or way to, a way to think about, a way to, yeah. yeah, a way to think about putting them together. So then I took her groups and, and kind of use them to redistribute the stories. Cause at first I liked, you know, having them, the similar ones, you know, whatever that means sort of together, but then I decided I wanted them sort of spread out. So uh -huh. then I made my own groups, but then in the process of doing that, I decided that I really liked working with these smaller units. And I think that um, it's also like one of the reasons that I think that I like working with, smaller stories is that mm -hmm. um, it just allows a greater degree of control or like a, you know, it lets you look at things more closely, I think, um, yeah. than trying to look at the whole book all at once. So um, yeah, I don't mean for them to be, you know, necessarily thematic or, or anything like that. I feel like the final organization was pretty intuitive. Um, uh -huh. But I also just really liked the idea of having this sort of pause um, yeah, or a place that a reader could stop and rest because even though the stories are short, I think they're pretty dense and I don't know that it's would be good to sort of like read the mm -hmm. whole book quickly. And so I just, I like this idea of a place where, you know, sort of like this reoccurring bench where yeah, you yeah. could stop and sit for a minute. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I found myself kind of when I was reading the the book um, stopping at those benches and kind of thinking about what I just read before I went on. So I, I think it is effective that way. Um, and you, you don't give um, titles for those sections, obviously, mm -hmm. um, which, which I think puts you in a position as a reader where you have to kind of think about, you know, what, what is it about these stories that makes them kind of work together or belong together. Mm -hmm. And the only other book I can think of that uh, does something like that is Amelia Gray has a book, um, Gutshot. Um, which also has a lot of pretty short stories in it, but I think that that's broken up in sections too, if I remember correctly. Um, what, and you mentioned, I mean, they're they're quite short. Some of the stories, I think, the shortest one is something like six or seven lines, mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of them. I mean, it's forty stories, and it's something like one hundred and thirty pages, one hundred and thirty-one pages. So, so very few of the stories are more than two or three pages. Um, do you, do you feel like they function almost more like, uh, prose poems than stories sometimes, or did you, was that a distinction you thought of or not really? Um, uh, not really. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I think that I just, I tend to think that the, the story form is, allows for a lot more than, than maybe it's like usually given credit for so uh -huh. i i think that a story can sort of you know encompass what what we might call a, a prose poem but i i think that they're stories in my mind mm -hmm. i mean they they always have a kind of narrative impulse to them mm -hmm. um even when they, they can be pretty pretty tight pretty um compacted in some ways um but and and you know the only reason i think about prose poems is because uh the language seems to me very carefully chosen Mm -hmm. um, but but in ways that um, aren't showy, 
a lot of the time. I mean, I think it's there's there's a ton of care with each of these stories, but not in a way that makes you um, forget about the fact that you're you're listening to a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can we talk a little bit about the book that came before this, um, August 9th Fog? Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Og9 fog, yep. Yeah, Og9, sorry. <laughs> no problem. No, I just, yeah. <laughs> That's something um, that I've noticed a lot of people do, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just our tendency to, um, to, to yeah, write out whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so that was a book in which you um, um, had a, uh, uh, a document from somebody else, a stranger's diary, um, that you found at an auction. And then you, you spent just a long time time being attentive to it and thinking through it and and capturing aspects of it i think is that fair to say yeah yeah uh, I think so. yeah uh and and for for me i mean part of it uh you know that that kind of attentiveness is something that comes out in the short stories as well but can you talk a little bit about just the process for for that book and then we'll we'll kind of circle back to uh, the story collection yeah um well i've yeah, I've said this elsewhere, but I, I worked on both of the books at the same time. Um, yeah. And and I would sort of go back and forth between working on the stories and, and working on the diary. Um, and I think that, yeah, that both of them were sort of a, an education in, in uh, you know, playing with sentences and, mm-hmm. and, try, and figuring out um, what I liked and how I wanted to put sentences together. And yeah, that it, it ended up being, you know, like a really long sort of meditative process, you uh-huh. know, working with that diary. And then I think that it finally sort of came together when I found a structure for it, um, uh-huh. the, the five season structure that it's in. Right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't something that I, I was in a hurry to do or you know maybe I was but it just seems to take me a, hmm. <laughs> quite a while to do everything that I do <laughs> uh-huh yeah um, yeah that can happen yeah <laughs> um h- how how do you know when you have a collection together w- when was the moment when you thought this is a collection or did you was it more that you sent it to your to your editor and together tried to decide if it was finished or done well i I actually had sent it out in an earlier form, like five years ago as a chat book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be published, but then the the small press that was going to publish it went out of business. And so it ended up not being published. And then, so that sort of was disappointing. And then, but it also made me just go back to, you know, continuing to work on it and continuing to work on the stories that were already in it, but then also writing a lot of new stories. Um, and I think that I, you know, I was sort of impatient to, to have books out in the world. Like I, I uh-huh. thought that I would have books out in the world sooner than this in my life. And um, so I was impatient for that. But at the same time, I was, I think I was just always feeling like I wasn't ready or that the, the work wasn't ready or it wasn't done or it wasn't a full collection yet. And, yeah. um, and actually how all of this sort of came about was with um, Andrew Latimer and David Winters who had, were running Little Island Press in the UK. Yeah. I, had, I had sent yeah. them 
a few stories for Egress, which was the journal that they were publishing at that time. And then they wanted to know if I had a manuscript. So mm -hmm. I sent them, you know, the manuscript I had at that time, which is different, uh, a little different from what the final book ended up being, but. Um, but they went out of business as well. Yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> but, um, but I think that I wasn't like at that point, I wasn't actively thinking I have a story collection that's finished and I'm going to aggressively try to find an agent for it or find yeah. a publisher for it or find an editor for it. You know, I, I think it was more sort of like their interest. And then, and then a lot of other things happened sort of quickly after that. And then, um, but it, you know, at this point it's been like three years since that's happened. So mm -hmm. it, the book has changed and, and gotten better, I think, since that initial yeah. Send, yeah. sending it to them. Yeah, I mean, you weren't the only one who that happened to. I think Gary Lutz was his collected um, stories were supposed to come out with them. I know. And, yeah, and so there's a lot of lot of uh, heartbreak, and it's too bad I because I thought their taste was good. David is such a good critic as well. I know. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, can, can we just talk about the title of the book, "The Dominant Animal," and about that story in particular, if you want to? But but I'm curious, what made you decide on on that for uh, uh, the title of the book as a whole? Well, that was actually another thing um, that I that I owe thanks to Andrew Latimer for. Um, it had been my working title for the book a while, for a while before that, and then at a certain point, I thought the title should be something else. And then when I was working on it with Andrew, he he wanted that to be the title again and suggested that. So, mm. and then I came back around to that idea, and I think that um, I do think it is the best title for the book. Yeah, I think it's a good title. Can I ask what the other title uh, you switched to would have been? Was it one of the other stories that you? Um, well, the 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 earliest form it was in it was titled Lemons, mm. uh -huh. <laughs> and then uh, the first Whiffs of Spring was the other title that I was thinking about for a minute. Yeah, no, I think the dominant animal was a good choice. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe we can just talk a little bit about uh, other writers you admire and, and, you know, who you feel like you are connected to or, you know, what, what sort of, you know, who, who you look to for, um, you know, as, as peers or inspiration. Um, well, I feel like I've said this <laughs> a lot already, probably to an obnoxious mm -hmm. degree, but I, um, I, I really feel like this book owes a lot to Diane Williams and, and to both to her work and then also her work as an editor of Noon. Um, mm -hmm. Which a number of the stories came out in Noon. Um, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the other writers that, that she publishes as well, definitely that sort of school of, of mm -hmm. work that, you know, can be sort of traced back to Lish, a lot of them. And, um, but, you know, there's, a, I don't know, there's a lot of other work that I like as well. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I think in terms of um, um, what I see in your work, I mean, I see definitely a connection to some of the things that Diane is doing. And, and part of that is the precision of the work. Uh, part of that is just the concern with, with, with uh, you know, how people are uh, and how that works. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then I think about some, like, Kim Chinkwe is someone else who I thought of, probably because she also does short 
mm-hmm. pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her work. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because I think the first time I came across your work was in, in noon. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I think that, that, uh, that kind of, uh, made me think of you as someone who I should look at. And then suddenly I started seeing you everywhere. <laughs> um, maybe it doesn't feel that way to you, but I mean, I, and, and I was teaching a, a, a class on which I call tiny fictions, um, which mm-hmm. is all really short fictions. And, um, and then just ended up coming across some of your work online and really loved it and taught it in that class. So, um, and that's, I, I think, yeah, one of the great things about Diane's work and about your work and about Kim's work as well is it's, it's still narrative, but it's also concerned with thinking about, you know, how, how much or how little you need. I mean, there's not a lot of excess um, moments in these, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it partly gets very quickly to things, but that also takes, I think, a lot of um, uh, uh, precision or skill um, so that you give just enough um, to get things across, um, but not um, too little to leave people confused. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that that I, I, I'm definitely going for that. And it, it makes me happy that you think that, um, I don't think that it doesn't seem like everyone feels that way, but of mm-hmm. course not everyone is going to feel that way. Um, yeah, there seems to always be this desire for more information and for yeah. more interiority, whatever that means and yeah. more character development, whatever that means. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that the people, yeah, a lot of people do, a lot of writers seem to, to, to want to give you a lot in those, in terms of those things, but, but they often, I often see that as, as um, more an indication that they haven't figured out a way to, to say something that, that works precisely. <laughs> if that makes any sense, because often mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's sentences that are circling around something that they just can't quite touch on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, but it is, you're definitely right. It's its a kind of um, aesthetic decision, and it's an aesthetic decision that works really well with very short pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned kind of early on when we were talking just how much I like uh, the... Uh, the language of the story and the style of the story. And there's just, there's really beautiful moments kind of all through these stories. Um, this is one from page 32, um, which is from a story which is called Power Tools. Um, his deep freeze fills with shrink wrapped meat in a spectrum of pink. And, uh, you know, just the sounds there are really nice and the repetitions of, of uh, you know, are, are, are quite nice as well. Um, Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what there's. Yeah, what else there is to say about that? But uh, I felt like you understood meat. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, and and then in terms of of just thinking about, uh, just kind of thinking beyond this present moment. I mean, do you, do you feel in terms of past writers, there's people who you you look to or that you really admire that have been important to your development as a writer or do you feel like it's it's much more focused on this kind of contemporary group of uh writers that you might see as connected to wish oh yeah no i mean definitely older writers as well um i i read a lot of 19th century novels you know as a student um Mm -hmm. and i thought for a minute that i was gonna I thought for a minute that I was going to be in school for a long time and get a degree in 
English, you know, in addition to writing and uh-huh. do all sorts of things, those sorts of things, but um, decided not to. But um, yeah, I mean, um, well, just as far as like short story writers, like uh, Grace Paley. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, an she's wonderful. One. And mm-hmm. Muriel Spark. Um, the uh, Spark stories or her novels more than her stories? Um, I, yeah, all of it. Yeah. I, I feel like whenever I'm asked this question, I have to like, <laughs> I just go blank and I have to like look at my yeah. shelf and I'm resisting the urge to go and look at my shelf right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Muriel Spark, who I didn't find um, until, you know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, uh, but yeah, she's really good, I think, as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, and you know, that obviously like Virginia Woolf and Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Right. Um, Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I really (laughs) do. I really do like freeze up and go blank. I feel like when I'm talking. I know. I feel like it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible question in some ways. Um, But that's, yeah, the way it goes, I suppose. So I I should prepare more for it next time. (laughs) Um, Can I ask you, I mean, animals appear in in this book. There's an animal on the cover of the book. uh, And, and, and I almost started to see as I was reading it, a kind of, you know, there seemed to always be a return to to dogs in in particular, but animals in general. And and I want to ask about that just a little bit. Um, Yeah. The, the, um, I think it's just something that I'm, I'm just, I've always been interested in animals. I grew up with a lot of animals. Uh-huh. Um, I've always liked just watching them and, and how they live and what they do. And, um, where, you know, where did you in a, in a, I grew up in Iowa. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I think uh-huh. just in a very basic way, I just enjoy them and, and like, to write about them but also i think that there's something about them that is just essentially unknowable and mm-hmm. i think that's you know a big part of my my interest in them and and I, and also they i think that they're an interesting lens you know with which to sort of parse yeah these sorts of power dynamics that you know seem to be at the heart of most relationships, you know, human and human yeah. and human and animal. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in several of the stories, it seems like there's a kind of displaced relationship from two people going on to an animal and a person um, or, you know, those, yeah, I think you're right. It's the power dynamics or something that kind of goes through the, um, through the piece as a whole, through the, the stories as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything I should ask you about that I have not asked you about? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's more I could say, but uh, I mean, I, I think that for me, the great thing about this book is, um, is that it's, it's really precise. I think it's, it's got, you've got a very fine sensibility in terms of the way in which you touch on the lives in it and think about them. I find it a great book to read at a time like this, kind of when they're in the middle of a pandemic, just because I, I reread it kind of before we talked. Um, 
because everything's just a few pages. So your, your level of concentration doesn't have to be, um, um, you know, massive, but it's mm-hmm. like you, you can kind of get into these stories very deeply mm-hmm. and then, and then take a breath again and kind of worry about the world, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'm happy to hear that. Um, I, um, well, maybe we can talk just a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a particular mood with your stories and, and maybe you could just talk a little bit about what's going on there and the way in which that mood kind of ties into just how the characters understand the world. Yeah, I think that mood is a huge part of, of what I'm interested in working with. Um, and I think that the mood of, of not being sure or of mystery or of um, even of like horror at, Mm -hmm. you know, not really knowing what's going on around us or not being able to trust um, what you see is, is something that is important to me when I'm working. And I think that that's something that is also uh, important to me in, in your work. Like, um, I love yeah. your I love your idea of of your work being um, this epistemological horror. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I mean, just that um, not knowing something and and just being unable to know certain things can just be way more terrifying than um, you know um, than 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 some knowing something terrible in a way. It's like the uncertainty ends up being. Unsettling yeah. In some ways. yeah, I agree. And I, it makes me think of, um, like, I'm not really a person who watches a lot of horror movies, but I feel like whenever I do, I, I'm really interested and engaged up to a certain point until the thing that the people are scared of is revealed. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. The, whatever it is always ends up being so disappointing because it's something that's sort of tangible or or understandable in a way and I think that that tension of you know before that that tension of not knowing or um sort of like infinite possibility uh is just so much more compelling to me than than finding out what it is actually that we're afraid of and um it also makes me think of things that I've I've heard you say in interviews about uh, reading other writers' work and sort of seeing where they, the direction that they take a story in or a novel in and using that as the, a place to start from, for where to write your own or where you yeah. would have diverged or gone differently. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it's an interesting thing. And I think that that interest in your part, I mean, I think for, for me, that probably is one of the reasons why your style is the way it is, that it is so it's careful and it's precise, but it doesn't reveal everything. Mm-hmm. And so there is always this sense of, um, I don't know, anticipation or this sense of, 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 you know, something that's, that's there that you're not quite sure, you know, how it's going to resolve itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, there's so few things that I <laughs> feel certain about or that I, you know, feel certain in my knowledge of or, or have an opinion have an opinion about even um and i think it it just seems like a i don't know it seems like a lot of people really want to be sure 
yeah. of themselves or of things in general and to know the answers. But I think that I've just always been more interested in the questions, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same place. Um, and I do think, I mean, there is this funny thing with things like social media where you get a sense of people just asserting their certainty or trying to create their certainty by just mm-hmm. saying insane things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that, that sense of kind of stepping back just a little bit um, and observing almost as much as anything is something mm-hmm. that seems very much more writerly to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and then I, I think as well, I mean, it, it, it suggests a kind of greater curiosity. Um, I, and then, I, you know, I really think that there's these two kind of large um, uh, uh, tendencies in, in writing. And one is this notion of writing as information or as something that has to be conveyed, which, and the other is, is writing as an experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that experience as being something that maybe can't be kind of boiled down to information. And I, I really see your work and my work and the work of most writers I admire is so much more on that side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else that I feel like you should ask <laughs> about the stories, but... Okay. Um, 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 do you have dogs now? Can I just ask that? I don't. Okay. I... I had a dog uh, for a long time and she died uh, recently. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I I had her, I had her um, for 15 years. Uh Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a dog for around the same time and um, yeah, it's hard to kind of figure out where to go after that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's, it's really strange um, how much of an effect I feel like it had on my, my writing life or my working life just because uh, I got her like around the time that I was first starting to try to, you know, really uh-huh. work, really work and stay at home and work. And so she sort of kept me at home and, you know, it was easier to stay home when she was there. And then, you know, she's been, she was pretty much the constant of my writing of this book of both of my books you know whenever mm. I would be working she would be there yeah um so that was a really yeah a strange uh and kind of terrible <laughs> adjustment <laughs> to have to make that yeah yeah no, for sure yeah. yeah well before we started talking I'm you and I were talking we, we have never actually met in person before no um and um obviously we're not going to be doing that in the next few weeks anyway no. <laughs> um, but uh, I do hope we we get to meet sometime in person. We we had originally planned to do this event at Skylight and and talk about your book and launch it into the world. And um, but uh, hopefully there'll be other times for that. Yeah, I hope so. Also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, it's really great to ca- talk to you, Kath- Catherine. And uh, um, if you um, didn't catch it. Um, the name of the book is The Dominant Animal by Catherine Scanlon, and uh, I highly recommend it. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.